Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Monday edition of the show. Welcome into Scoops with Danny Mac. My name is Dan McLaughlin, and with me is Alex Ferrario. Alex is going to jump in later in the show. We've got five burning questions about the NHL and the St. Louis Blues. Ryan Fagan of the Sporting News is going to be with us. We'll talk a little bit about the upcoming World Series with Tampa Bay and Los Angeles, and hopefully that you, sir, had a very good weekend. I did, Dan. How about yourself? Had a great weekend. Yeah? I love Game 7s. Oh, God, yeah. Even in a pandemic, I get mm-hmm. into a Game 7. Yeah. Count me in, man. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, you know, the best part about this weekend, Dan, for me personally, uh, it's always good when you sit down to watch sports when you're in a good mood, right? Like, if you're in a bad mood, kind of ruins it. So I was out doing yard work on Saturday. That'll my, put me in a bad mood. Oh, it put me in a bad mood, too, because <laughs> there's been a mole back there that has torn up my backyard. Oh, that'll put me in a really bad mood. I found the mole, Dan. I eliminated the mole. So I sat down and watched Game 7 as happy as can be. I gotta ask you, how did yeah. you get rid of the mole? Oh man, I was like a I was like a bald eagle stalking its prey on the weekend. <laughs> I was watching, you know, you I saw where the mounds were. Like the 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 mole was creating the mounds. It was digging under the lawn, and so I sat out there in a lawn chair. Not joking. This sounds very Hoosier esque, but it right. wasn't. Sat in the lawn chair and waited for the ground to start moving. And as soon as it moved, Dan dug the shovel in, dug the sucker out. Eliminated the mole. Was a little bit of Caddyshack here. It was. I put the hose in the ground, Bill Murray-esque. <laughs> if I had dynamite, I probably would have dropped that into the ground, too. I love it, man. I probably would have dropped that into the ground, too. That's awesome. Found that a way is, to get rid of it. That is awesome. So good work by Alex Ferrario. I'm enjoying that. All right, so two game sevens in baseball. We start with the Dodgers and the Braves. The Braves blow a 3-1 to one lead in the series. They fall to the powerful Dodger lineup. It is powerful last night. Cody Bellinger got the Braves bullpen. He got to them very late. Two balls, two strikes, two out. Martin's 23rd pitch. Bellinger with a fly ball to right field. Cody Bellinger has just given the Dodgers a 4-3 lead. Hernandez a home run in the sixth. Bellinger a home run in the seventh. And the Dodgers, who hit 118 home runs during the regular year, have just hit their 16th home run of the championship series. And the Dodgers lead it 4-3. to three. I, I try to have the same approach. I faced them uh, in the 8th and ninth inning yesterday. Felt pretty good against them. I just tried to stay with myself right there. And um, just, I honestly, I just tried to get on base. And uh, two strikes, I was in battle mode. And I got a pitch that I could hit right there. And that was one of those where you hit it and you just, you know, right away, it felt really good. First pitch, fly ball, center field. Bellinger is there and he's got it. And the Dodgers advance to the World Series for the third time in the past four years. The team with the best record in baseball all year long, 43 and 17. In first place since the 13th of August are the champions of the National League. Start with the pandemic and a lot of things going on and guys not with their families and all the uh, social injustice. It's been a lot of sacrifices from guys and guys are uncomfortable, um, but still to kind of buy into the Dodge and what we're doing to win baseball games and 
to make such a difficult year in some instances uh, positive in a championship year for the Los Angeles Dodge and the city of Los Angeles. Um, so had our backs against the walls and had to win three games in a row against a very good ball club. And so there's a lot of things that had to happen and we did it. So I don't know, it was just a kind of all came together and I was just really happy for our guys. So Dave Roberts and the Dodgers head to the World Series and they will face the Tampa Bay Rays. So here is Oledmus Diaz with the Rays one out away. Diaz hit three homers in 58 at-bats this year. Hit 18 two years ago with Toronto. Swings at the first pitch. Fly ball. Shallow right field. Manuel Margot is there. And the Tampa Bay Rays are the champions of the American League. And for the second time in franchise history, they are going to the World Series. The number one seed taken to a winner-take-all game by the Houston Astros, but the Rays finish them off, winning 4-2, to two, and they're going to the Fall Classic. So they don't blow that 3-0 lead. They won on Saturday. Randy Arozarena got the scoring started again in game number seven. And the 2-2 to Arozarena and a fastball line to right center field. He's given it a ride, and he's hit it out. Randy Arozarena does it again. And Tampa Bay takes a 2-0 lead in the bottom of the first. Think about this. He was named the ALCS MVP. That was his seventh postseason home run. If you take him out of the Tampa Bay lineup, the Rays hit 183 in the league championship series. So you take him out, the rest of the lineup, 183. Webster Groves alum, Pete Fairbanks, struck out three Astros in game seven. Got Aledmus Diaz to fly out to send the Rays to the World Series. It's a great story. He's a guy that was trying to rehab, come back, kind of left for dead. Anybody could have had him. A kid that has come all the way back, not only from one, but two Tommy Johns. And he feels as locked in as anybody going into the fall classic. You know, I changed both my upper half and lower half mechanics uh, when I, you know, during that rehab process, it took about a year. But I mean, to this point, I, I think the iron path is as efficient as it's ever been. And, you know, whenever, you know, I'm able to repeat this and I'm on time and I'm not ending up, you know, casting my, casting the ball out or anything that's put an excess stress through my elbow and the front of my shoulder that way, you know, I'm using all the right things that I need to use to throw the ball properly. And, you know, with that efficiency comes the ability to repeat it over and over again and not, you know, necessarily, you know, those extra stresses that you might have if I'm not on time or if I'm, you know, my arm's late, it's casting, I'm pulling too much of my front side and exposing the shoulder to where, you know, when I'm in that, I'm in that efficient delivery, I'm able to throw over and over again because that's how I've, I've trained myself to do it. So a key now looking forward to the World Series. Number one, don't pitch to Randy Rosarena. Fairbanks, get him into games. That's one shot for Tampa Bay. It's going to be tough, though, to beat the Dodgers. We'll talk about it with Ryan Fagan coming up. College football saw Nick Saban test positive for COVID-19, then three negative tests. So he's back on the sideline for Alabama. And their win over Georgia, 41-24. to Jones puts his man in motion. Looks that way. To go deep and will Waddle has got it on the run and he's gone. Jalen Waddle touchdown. I think I gained a lot of respect thinking that I had this, even though we've done everything we can to set a good example relative to social distancing, wearing a mask, washing hands from a player's perspective. 
I think everybody should have the proper respect because I'm going to tell you, when they tell you you've tested positive, that's not a good feeling. Now, I wasn't sick. All right, so um, the other thing I have a tremendous amount of gratitude uh, for is the, the unbelievable number of people that, you know, texted, uh, sent prayers, um, was just phenomenal. And I believe in things like that. So I do think that they, that all helped. Uh, so I'd like to thank all those people for their support and their help and all the relationships <clears throat> and people that I know all over the United States, you know, calling, checking, texting re- really is heartfelt. And I really appreciate it. Nick Saban. I did love it. I, he's just a beauty, Alex. He is. I, I, I loved everything leading up to this game of, oh, well, Nick Saban's tested positive for COVID. Up oh, first false test, second false test, third false test. He's Boom. coming to he's the back. field. He's back. Nick Saban for you. Missouri's game postponed this weekend, and there's been a reshuffling of the schedule for the SEC. So they're back at it. Remember, they're supposed to play Florida this weekend. That has now been postponed. So they will host Kentucky this weekend. Don't overlook the Wildcats. They just beat Tennessee 34-7 in Knoxville over the weekend. And Kentucky has opened up as a six-point favorite in Columbia. NFL, Rodgers against Brady yesterday in Tampa Bay. And Tom Brady back. Back at it again. But here's the snap on third and six. Flop pass toward the end zone. Gronkowski, he makes the catch. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. What a great grab by Gronk. Holy Gronk of Moly. The box score a touchdown with a minute two to go. Yeah, he played great today and uh, got to try to keep getting him and Cam the ball. The tight ends, you know, can really help us out. The back can help us out. It takes pressure off the receivers and we just got to keep building and growing, and uh, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. We just got to show up every day, try to get better, learn from the mistakes, and uh, you know, see if we can go win on the road here, which has been tough for us. Uh. Two by, uh, unbeatens, by the way, in the NFL. Titans and Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. Steelers, my pick to win the whole thing. That's right, Steelers. Because they got the steel curtain. Their defense, baby, and Big Ben loves their defense. They're fun. They're special. Um, they're obviously getting turnovers. They're scoring. Um, and, and there were a, a handful of times, like, I don't know the stats, but there were a couple times a day that it was either third and short or fourth and short. And you just you just felt like they were going to stop them. I mean, you, you, it, you know, sometimes you're just like, okay, you know, hope they get a stop here or whatever. You just felt it feels different sometimes with our defense because they're, um, they're aggressive. They get after it. They made plays in the back end today. And, um, I said after the game, I'm glad I don't have to play them on Sundays. So uh, yesterday had the privilege to do the Billikens virtual tip-off last night. Lisa Stone, the Billikens basketball coach on the ladies' side. Travis Ford on the men's side. How about this, Alex? They had eight hours for the men's side of practice. Four hours and four hours on Saturday. Travis Ford, who loves to practice, okay? He said, my guys are getting after it so then he practices yesterday they were supposed to have two practices he said i couldn't go to number two he said my guys are getting after it so much he said i had to cancel practice number two he said i love it so much he said but they're just flat out getting after it i can't wait to watch to watch abilicans by the way they're still the defending a10 champs Mm -hmm. they're going to win the a10 this year 
And let's knock on wood that they get the basketball. The, our guys are going out to play in beautiful weather right now for the uh, beautiful, perfect <laughs> golf weather. The, 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 perfect. The, the Billiken fundraiser for the athletic program, and in particular, it's supposed to be for obviously what's going on with uh, the program and and uh, and Billiken basketball. They're going to be so good this year. Yeah, they're going to win the A10 in my as long as they stay healthy. They're going to go to the NCAA tournament. Oh yeah. And then they, they're going to be one of the teams to beat. They're, they're that good. They're going to make some noise in that tournament, especially now when you have a healthy Fred Thatch. Like, I think oh, yeah. that was something. And he that, said that yesterday. He said that he's completely healthy. The training wheels yeah. are off and he looks nasty. People underestimate the loss of him last season because that was a great slew team last year. But you put that man in that lineup. That's a very dangerous team for Travis Ford. So they're going to make some noise in this tournament this year. Going to be fun. By the way, I left the C, uh, Seattle Seahawks, too. Some of our texters telling us, too, they're undefeated. They had a bye week. They don't count this week, right, Dan? I guess so. Come on. But I messed up. It's a bye week. They they got me. You know, the texters, they keep me honest. Texters are always on it. They are. They They are are. always on it. Ryan Fagan is coming up. Bet the big Kansas City-Buffalo matchup tonight with FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook. If you've never tried FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook, then here's something you won't want to miss. Right now, new users can get an exclusive plus 2,500 odds boost on the Kansas City Chiefs to prevail over the Buffalo Bills in this heavyweight matchup. You heard that right. You can bet up to $5 to win one. 25 on the Kansas City Chiefs to win. And with FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook, incredible odds are just the beginning. They've got the simple app, live betting on every game, exhilarating bet types such as same-game parlays where you combine multiple bets from one game into a single-game parlay, and once you win, they get your winnings in as little as 24 hours. So if you've never tried FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook, it's time to get off the sidelines. Download the uh, FanDuel Paradise app today. Use the promo code WXOS. That's WXOS Again, use that promo code WXOS. 21 and older, present in Illinois or Indiana. New users only. Must wager on designated boost market. Deposit required. Max bonus 125. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Coming up, Ryan Fagan of the Sporting News next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Always love having the chance to catch up with Major League Baseball senior writer from the Sporting News, Ryan Fagan, as we're on the eve of the Fall Classic. Wasn't sure if we'd ever get here, but here we are, as we will have a World Series, Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay will take on the L.A. Dodgers. And Ryan Fagan joins us on 101 ESPN. Hey, Ryan, always great to catch up. How are things? Things are great, Dan. Things are great. We've got the, the, the kiddos running around like crazy, the dogs chasing her, and just trying to keep a little bit of sanity. You know how it goes. Well, I appreciate you carving out some time this morning. I certainly appreciate it because I know uh, you've got a busy household. So thanks for doing this. Um, let's talk about, uh, first of all, a couple of Game 7s. What did you think of how this transpired over the weekend? Well, I mean, on a base level, I was just happy to have a couple more games because it looked like both series might have wrapped up early. You know, it looked like the Rays were going to take care of, of Houston in, in four games and the, the Braves might have taken care of the Dodgers in, in five or six. So, you know, to see two game sevens when it looked like uh, the series were going to wrap up early, I mean, as a baseball fan, that was just a wonderful development. I, I can't imagine what it would have been like to be fans of those teams watching and being stressed as these games Went right down to the wire, but you know, for for folks like me, it was a lot of fun just to get a lot of extra baseball. Do you think we got the two best teams in baseball going head to head? 
I, I do. You know, I, when we had to do our predictions at the beginning of the postseason, what I what I wrote was I, I really think that the Rays and the Dodgers are the best teams, and if they can get past the first round, which is a weird thing to say because it's the first round, but, but because it was a best of three and just two games could have knocked out a team like that, like the, the Dodgers or the Rays, that was, to me, their biggest hurdle, right? So once you get into the five- and seven-game series where there's no – off days, you're really testing the full team. You're testing the full pitching staff. You're testing the full lineup. And uh, I think that those those scenarios favored the, the two best teams in the regular season in the Rays and the Dodgers. So I really do think that the two best teams in baseball this year all the way through are, are playing for the World Series. As you can imagine, people are going nuts over Randy Rosarena. Um, and time yeah. will tell with this deal, you know, see what happens and transpires with Matthew Libertor. But how, how do you size up what's happened here with Randy Rosarena and, and what he's doing with Tampa Bay? I mean, it's been so much fun to watch. I mean, to me, and I, I put this out on Twitter a couple of days ago, he is the single most must-see batter in the playoffs. When he comes up to the plate, I mean, I'm not saying it's <clears throat> quite like Albert Pujols in his prime, but he's a guy, you know, you don't get up to go get a snack. You don't walk away from the TV because you don't know what he might do. I mean, the the amount of home runs he's hit, and it's not just the number, but it's the way he's hitting the home runs. He's hitting them off sliders. He's hitting them off curveballs. He's hitting them off fastballs. He's pulling them down into the left field corner. He's pushing them to, to right field. He's going all over the ballpark, and it's so much fun to watch. Unless, of course, you're a Cardinals fan and you're wishing that he was doing that in the Cardinals uniform. But from a baseball standpoint, it's so much fun to watch a guy with the talent that he has really stepping up and playing so well on this big stage. As you talk to counterparts around baseball, did anyone see this coming with Randy? No, I mean, not to this level. I mean, but we're talking about one of the great postseasons, you know, I mean, right up there with the best in, in baseball history that he's authored so far. And, you know, the biggest stage is still to come and uh, doing what he's done against the Dodgers is a different level. Um, it's not, it's not going to be as easy as he, as he had it in the first couple rounds, but you know, I don't think anyone expected quite this. I mean, you look at his track record and obviously he's hit everywhere he's ever been, but most guys slow down a little bit when they get to not just the big leagues, but to the, I mean, to the playoffs and he's hitting like, and he's treating these pitchers in the postseason like they're double a and, and triple a pitchers. That's, the confidence that he's going up there and swinging the bat against them. I was saying we, we have a crossover segment here on 101, and I was saying if, if I'm the Dodgers, um, I cannot pitch to Randy Rosarena. If you look at the league championship series, if Houston doesn't pitch to him, the rest of the lineup hit 183. They're probably in the World Series. It really may have come down to that. Yeah, I mean, not the batting average is everything, right? But the Rays, I sure. think they have more guys – hitting like 180 or under than they do have guys that are hitting 250 or over. You know, I mean, it's really been, you know, Rosarena has seven home runs. Uh, Margot has five home runs. This is the guy that hit one in the regular season. And Mike Zanino has four. I mean, and aside from that, I mean, that's where they're getting their power. That's where they're getting the runs. And if you're a Rays fan, that's what worries you because you're facing now a Dodgers a uh, Dodgers rotation that is very, very good. And you're having Walker Bueller throw a couple times. You're having Clayton Kershaw throw, even though we all know Kershaw's had his issues in the postseason. You're still not looking forward to facing that curveball, right? So I think that if the Rays are going to win this, 
it can't be a one or two man show. They're going to have to have guys step up and hit more like they did in the regular season because you're not going to be able to survive a seven game series against the Dodgers hitting the way that the Rays have in the past couple rounds. Tell us about Webster Groves alum Pete Fairbanks, who had three strikeouts in, yeah. and finished off uh, the Houston Astros. What a story. couple of Tommy John surgeries, and he's throwing 100 miles an hour, and he's just dominant. What, what do you know about Pete Fairbanks? Well, you know, I mean, he came into that game, and the, the first batter he walked, faced in Game 7, he looked like he couldn't find the strike zone at all. And, you know, and to be able to rally back from that start on that stage, to be able to uh, come back and do what he did and close that game out the way that he did, uh, I really was impressed. It speaks a lot to his mental fortitude. And I think, you know, he'll probably tell you, and guys that have gone through Tommy John surgery and overcome everything that is involved in getting back to the point where they can compete at that level, will tell you that that builds, that builds, I mean, I don't want to go to character as a, as a fallback cliche word, but it builds that inside of you says, okay, well, I've been through worse. Let's just stop reset and rally and let's go, go forward. And I think that's what he did on the biggest stage against the best hitters that the, that the Astros had. And it really, really was impressive to see that. And you like to see a story like that, a guy who's had the, the, not just one, but as you said, the two Tommy John surgeries and, and been traded to, to step up and do that on that stage really was impressive. I'm going to throw something crazy out at you, and I threw this out at, uh, on Twitter, and we know that the, the sport is so analytically based and Tampa Bay is so analytically based, but I said, you know, to a point, maybe we need to save ourselves uh, from ourselves, meaning do we in, in postseason play need to maybe submit a roster and just hear me out on this, Ryan, because you're a bright guy and you love this sport, okay? And I don't know if you saw me throw this out there. But so Tampa Bay the other night, they, they've got their starter rolling in Morton, I guess it was, and they did not let him face a lineup for a third time. And right. now they go to their bullpen. And so this is a reason why we have three-and-a-half, four-hour games in postseason play. And I was wondering, you know, just off the top, I was like, you know, do we maybe need before games say, okay, you, you can only go to like, I don't know, your, your starter and four or five other pitchers or whatever the case may be, but you can't keep going to pitcher after pitcher after pitcher after pitcher and doing all these different matchups that you're forced to use your starter to let him go deeper into games. And maybe it creates a little bit more drama and in, in decision-making for the manager. Do you think we'd ever go down that line to kind of save ourselves from <laughs> from ourselves in this sport? What do you think? Well, I'll be honest. Um, if you would have asked me that question a year ago, I would have said no. They would never do that. But then they instituted the three-batter minimum. And, I mean, that is changing the way that managers have to use their strategy. It, it changes uh, scenarios. And so, I mean, if baseball feels like the three-batter minimum isn't working, maybe they do uh, down the road say, okay, well, you can only use, let's say, three pitchers before the fifth inning, or you could only use or two pitchers before the fifth inning or something along those lines. And maybe that's possible. But here's to your point, and I was thinking about this the other day. It used to be in baseball, right? When you got into the postseason, there's an element of fear when you're a manager. There's an element of worrying about making the wrong decisions. And back in the day, it used to be they were afraid to take the pitcher out because they thought that might be a mistake. Now it almost feels like managers are afraid not to make a move 
because if they leave the guy in there, if they leave Pedro Martinez on the mound when he's clearly gassed, something bad might happen, right? So now we're making decisions still based on fear, but it's the fear of not making a move instead of the fear of making a move. Right. If that makes sense. And so I think that's something that, that's a big part of that as well. Do you think neutral site for a World Series is something that baseball will look at? I hope not. I mean, it makes it a lot logistically a lot easier, but I mean, there's just something about being in a home stadium for a potential clinching game. I mean, it's just, I I hope baseball never loses that. I hope baseball never takes that away from fans. You know, it's different in a one game scenario like the, like the NFL has with the Super Bowl. But if you're having a chance to basically celebrate two franchises, two fan bases um, by playing games at home stadiums in the postseason, I really, really do hope that that doesn't go away. Um, you know, you mentioned Clayton Kershaw, and I was talking about his struggles after he struggled the other night. Now, we were talking about if you leave a guy in too long, and I had no problem with Dave Roberts letting him face Freddie Freeman. I did have a problem leaving him in to face Ozuna, and lo and behold, boom, he gets hit, he gets out, they lose the game, and you're wondering, uh-oh, here we go again. It's the narrative that he's not a big-game pitcher in the postseason, and his ERA is two runs worse in postseason play. Um, now he's got another shot at it to get that World Series ring. What what do you think about Clayton Kershaw in postseason play and why he's had his struggles? And I, I will say this: a lot of times he's he's pitching on short days rest, so there's a part of that. Yeah. Um, where do you think he he is at, at? You know, just the I guess the reputation of Kershaw in in postseason. What do you think it is? Well, for better or for worse, I'll tell you this: watching the game last night, I was texting with a friend of mine, and he brought up the idea that what if Kershaw comes into this game? What if it's a tie game and Kershaw comes in? What do you think about that? And quite honestly, I I didn't want it to happen because Clayton Kershaw is one of baseball's good guys. He really is. You know, his, his regular season resume is beyond reproach. If he retired today, he'd be elected as a hall of famer on the first time he was on the ballot five years out the road. There's zero doubt about 10 years in the postseason. And, you know, Dodgers fans, I think even though they love him, they all say that, you know, he's partially to blame and, you know, whether it's right or wrong, he's been the figurehead of this, this run for the Dodgers and, you know, they haven't won the world series. So I think there is some of that placed on him. There's some of that blame placed on him. Some of it's unfair and some of it, you know, he hasn't performed the way that people expect him to. And the thing that is easy to forget is he's had a lot of brilliant games in the postseason, not just like, one good game, two bad games. He's had a lot of brilliant, brilliant performances in the postseason, eight innings, 13 strikeouts, one run, two hits, all these types of things. But those kind of get lost because that's what's expected. And then when he doesn't pitch to expectations, that's when everybody jumps. So, you know, as a, as a human, as a baseball fan, I don't care who wins the World Series, but I really hope that Clayton Kershaw doesn't have a couple of bad outings because 
you know, I, I just feel I would I would feel sorry for him, and that's just being honest. Ryan Fagan is my guest. I'll wrap it up here. He's the Major League Baseball senior writer at the Sporting News. Does a tremendous job covering the sport. So head to the Sporting News if you haven't done yourself uh, that great pleasure in reading about the great game that we all love. And one of the things that he has done, and it's coming up tomorrow. And I went back. You sent me the YouTube clip of this, and I was watching it. The yeah. great Jack Buck on the call, and you've got uh, you're going back thirty years ago when Glenn Bragg broke and hit a bat on a swing and miss and it breaks over his shoulder and you've kind of done a little oral history with this it's awesome I love little things like this tell me about the story that you worked on it's it's such a great story I remember watching that when it happened you know Glenn Bragg that's game four of the World Series Eric Davis had just gotten hurt he came out of the game Glenn Bragg's replaced him and to lead off the next inning, he's the first batter. The first pitch that he swings at, which is a 1-1 count, he swings so hard that he snaps the bat when it hits his shoulder blade. And Tim McCarver and Jack Buck, as they're calling the game, just like, what in the world happened? <laughs> and they were just incredulous. So I thought, you know, that was 30 years ago. And they set it up, by the way. Down. And Ryan, they set exactly. it up by saying, he, by the way, this guy is really strong. Like, you're not going to believe how strong this guy is. And then he swings and breaks the bat over his shoulder blade. That's the beauty of it, <laughs> yeah, too. And, and, and McCarver and Buck like, well, that's an example of exactly what we're talking about. I mean, it really was. And, and Glenn even told me. He's like, it, it's like they set it up. He's like, it was like it was something that was pre, predetermined, was set up in advance, and they knew what was going to happen. And he's like, you really got to give them credit. So basically, I talked to Braggs. I talked to Jamie Quirk, who was the catcher. Um, I talked to a lot of his teammates. I talked to Tim McCarver. I talked to everyone I could think of who was involved with that play to tell me about it. And 30 years later, they were all still amazed. So there are a lot of great stories, and that's going to publish tomorrow morning on the 30-year anniversary of, of when it happens. That's great stuff. And read uh, at the Sporting News, Ryan Fagan, the Major League Baseball senior writer for MLB at the Sporting News. Hey, Ryan, always great to catch up. We'll do it again very soon. Thanks so much. Sounds good. Thanks, Dan. You got it. That's Ryan Fagan here on 101 ESPN. Let me tell you about Schnucks Rewards. Shopping list is organized based on your home store, and there's Schnucks stores all over our city. And it's making shopping a cinch. Plus, it's customizable, shareable, remembers your recent purchases, saves your items so you don't have to worry about adding them every week. It's already there. It's waiting for you. So it's so easy. It is so easy. All you have to do do is go to your Schnooks Rewards. Schnooks is your one-stop shop for all your grocery uh, grocery essentials: produce, fruit, meat, snacks, seafood, bakery items, and so much more. Schnooks Rewards. That's all you have to do. It's an app. It gives you exclusive savings. Look for over a hundred new coupons every week that can be searched and sorted by category and every time you search or pull up an item a corresponding digital coupon on sale associated with that item pops up so you're finding deals saving money with just one touch they also have hundreds of schnooks brand items that means like pizzas popcorn chips cookies soda they're going to give you so many items to save money on and on top of those schnooks rewards you're piling up the points so when you're shopping for your family, all you have to do with the holidays around the corner, think local, think schnooks. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. 
As Alex just told you, Doc Emmerich has decided to call it quits after 47 years of pro hockey, one of the best that's ever done it. A lot of folks ask me, well, what's it take to be a broadcaster? Well, let's hear from one of the game's best that's ever done it. His advice on trying to become a broadcaster. Never quit. It has nothing to do with your delivery or anything else. It's just don't quit because there's so much rejection and so much frustration as you start out. Um, I always tell people, and, and I ask them, just send me the cassette. Go into an arena, do the sport that you like to do. Sit up in the corner where you're not intimidated by all the crowd or anything, and just call the game. And then do another one, and then do five more. And when you get to one you like, send it to me, and I'll listen to it and tell you what I think. But the main thing is just keep doing it. If this is what you like, you get a good seat for the game, you get in free, you get to work with the best athletes in the world if you wind up in the NHL, and it's a fun way to make a living. Boy, is it ever. One of the best, Doc Emmerich. And we've got five burning questions for Alex Ferrario concerning the St. Louis Blues. But before we get to that, uh, you've been around Doc Emmerich. I have as well with my time with the St. Louis Blues. Just a gentleman, a sweetheart of a guy, an amazing voice for the NHL. And uh, I'm disappointed to hear yeah. that he's not going to be doing games. Hard to believe. You know, when these guys, they say I'm 74, I think I'm like 25 years old. He's been around <laughs> forever. I watched a video today that NBC Sports put out about I saw Emmerich. Too. And I-, I didn't know that Doc Emmerich got into the league when Gordie Howe and Bobby yes. Orr are still playing hockey. It's incredible. I mean, 47 seasons. And, you know, I said this earlier today, Dan, on Twitter, that he's one of the reasons I got into broadcasting because it's so rare to find a guy who can get you so excited on a broadcast, but say so little. And that was Doc Emmerich. And the hockey world is going to miss this guy. I have a really fun story. So Game 7, Boston, Dan. Blues, of course, in Boston when they win the Cup. And in the first intermission, I walked past Doc, who was walking in and out of the booth, and he's like, how are you feeling, Alex? I can't do an Emmerich impression. I wish I could. Oh, how are you feeling? Yeah, how are you feeling, Alex? I'm like, uh, Doc, uh, this is stressful. 2 nothing. It's like, this is stressful. Second period, how are you feeling, Alex? This is stressful. Third period. Take the stress off, Alex. It's going to happen. And it's like, this is incredible. <laughs> Doc Emmerich's walking by, checking in on me with this Blues Cup. Awesome. So uh, God bless the man. Good luck to him and his family getting to enjoy retirement. But I hope we get to hear him on the call again soon. It's incredible. Incredible story, incredible man, and an incredible voice for the NHL. Five burning questions. I've got Alex in here, so let's do it. Restricted free agents, who's still out there? So right now, you know, last night we found out Austin Pogansky and Mitch Rinke signed their qualifying offers basically. So it's a one-year, two-way deal, which means they can go to the AHL and NHL without any issues. Jake Wallman is still out there, another defenseman that I would imagine they're going to get signed. He's been in the minors for a couple of years, really never could cut it in the NHL so far. But this is a guy I know that the Blues are very high on and hopes that he can make a shot with the Blues. The other one's Vince Dunn, and this is an intriguing one, Dan, because they are uh, they are jam-packed right now at defensemen with Tory Krug, and when you got Nico Mikola, and of course the right side, you know, where does Vince Vince Dunn fall into all of this. I think I would imagine Doug Armstrong wants this kid back, but I don't know if it's going to be one of those two, three year deals. He could be somebody that they decide to move because he just doesn't really have a spot in the top six right now with the blues defenseman. More blues moves coming. I think so, Dan. Look, I I heard curves talk about this this morning, and this is the way I was feeling. Joey and I talked about it last week on our show. If you're in the middle of this Stanley cup window, like Doug Armstrong has told us, this would be year three in this five, six year window. How do you go into this upcoming season and put all of these hopes on a Zach Sanford, a Sammy Blay, a Jordan Cairo? 
it's rare to see a team that's in the middle of a cup window and put all of their faith in these young players. I know they're cap restricted. I know that they got some money that they would need to move around, but there are some intriguing names out there like an Anthony Duclair, a Mike Hoffman, a Corey Perry, guys who might take a minimum salary to come play with a Stanley cup contender. So I I still believe that we could see another move offensively because if I'm Doug Armstrong, I want to stockpile this team for an upcoming postseason run three. You've, you kind of took a, a look, a hard look at Tory Krug's defense. We we talk so much about his offense. What yeah. about his defense? Yeah, this is an interesting one, Dan, because I think this is a uh, this is an underrated defenseman. Now, look, he's not an Alex Petrangelo, so don't compare him to that. But if you go back and look at some of these numbers on ice goals against, which is a stat that some people look at, some people don't look at. But if you put Tory Krug's on ice goal situation, so basically when he's on the ice, when other teams are scoring against him, he had forty three last year if you put that on the blues that would have been the best of any defenseman now that's 400 minutes less than what Alex Petrangelo played which is significant but compared to Pareko Falk Gunnarsson Dunn he would be the best defensive defenseman so if he's matched up with Colton Pareko which I would imagine is something Craig Berube is going to really be looking at I think people are overlooking how good of a defenseman Tory Krug can be he's not going to be Alex Petrangelo he's not going to be elite but I do think this guy is not a defensive liability that people are talking about. When will we know for number four? When will we know when the, all the defensive guys are here and it's all situated? We're like what the matchups are going to be? Yeah. Boy, I, I think you're. I don't even know if you're going to know when the season starts, Dan, because Mike Van Ryn and Craig Berube, Jim Montgomery, Steve Ott, these guys are going to are, are mess around with the lineups a lot. And I think when you look at the pairings, it makes sense to go Krug Pareko, big guy, small guy, Falk Scandella, big guy, small guy. But don't be surprised if you see a Krug Falk matchup in the middle of a game or a Pareko Scandella matchup. There's going to be a lot of flipping around. So look at it in training camp, but it'll change once the season starts. You think January, February? What do you think? I think it's going to be February, Dan. Yeah. I think everyone wants January, which is what Gary Bettman talked about before the playoffs began. Um, that's not going to be an easy thing to do. I mean, think about it. You're almost to November, and we haven't even heard when training camps could open up. We don't even know if the border is going to be open for Canada, if there's going to be bubble teams in Canada. I think February 1st makes a lot of sense. It's going to be a jam-packed schedule. You're going to be seeing game, three games played in four days or four day games being played in six days. It's going to be a condensed schedule, maybe looking at 60, 65 games. But I would say look closer to the end of January, beginning of February for the NHL to start. And finally, who has the most pressure on the Blues? Ooh, this is a good one, Dan. This is an interesting one, too, because I think a lot of people have different perspectives on this. A lot of people are going to go to Falker Krug, which I can understand. I'm going to go with Jordan Bennington because I think Mm. when people look at Jordan Bennington's season in the bubble, it wasn't great, right? Like a lot of people are nervous that this goaltender was just a a rare occasion in the cup final uh, when they beat Boston. And now he doesn't have Petrangelo. He doesn't have Bo Meester, Edmondson. He doesn't have these big bodies in front of him. So how is Bennington going to look when he's got smaller defensemen, faster defensemen who can move the puck in and out of the zone? To me, Bennington has a lot of pressure on him now even more than last year because there's no Jake Allen. Good stuff. Bet the Kansas City-Buffalo matchup tonight. FanDuel Paradise Sports book if you've never tried FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook then here's something you won't want to miss right now new users get exclusive plus 2500 odds boost on the Kansas City Chiefs heard that right you can bet up to five dollars to win 125 on the Chiefs to win and with FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook incredible odds are just beginning you've got the simple app live betting on every game and exhilarating bet types such as same game parlays where
where you combine multiple bets from one game into a single-game parlay. Once you win, you get your winnings in as little as 24 hours. So if you've never tried FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook, time to get off the sidelines. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Use the promo code WXOS. That's the promo code WXOS. WXOS. 21 and older, present in Illinois or Indiana. New users only. Must wager on designated boost market. Deposit required. Max bonus $125. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. We'll head out to the Billiken Golf Classic and Norwood Hills. Cross it over next with Ribs and BK in just a moment. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. You know, I was out at Norwood Hills last week. I had uh, my charity golf event, and it was just beautiful out at Norwood Hills. It was it was gorgeous. It was about 70, 75 degrees. And, well, Ribs and BK are out at Norwood Hills today for the Billiken Golf Classic, and they're situated outside. And, and Jamie, you being a Canadian, I mean, this is uh, weather right up your alley, man. It's it, it's a beautiful day out there. Yeah, this is board shorts uh, and slides <laughs> today. Um, sweating a little bit out here. I'm hoping it cools down by you know, mid-afternoon or whatever. I want these golfers to be very comfortable right now. It's a little warm, Dan. Yeah, I figured as much. So I- I'm assuming you guys got uh, some Billiken guests coming up, huh? Well, we're sure hoping so. <laughs> we, we believe that Travis Ford is going to be able to stop by at some point. Hopeful that Chris May will as well. Um, we are efforting both, and it just kind of depends on when their round is officially coming to an end, Dan. All right, guys, looking forward to it. They'll be out uh, at Norwood Hills live today, the Billiken Golf Classic taking place at Norwood Hills. Dan, you going to join us out here, man? Yeah, it's, come on by. It's a balmy 45. Say hi to us, Dan. I think Randy and the gang are out there. so Bring I'm us sure, a fire pit. I'm sure they'd be happy. Happy to join you, um, and, and they'll be representing the station. So this is playoff baseball weather, if I've ever felt it. <laughs> well, uh, not this year, guys. They're neutral site, so oh, uh, they're in Dallas, huh? Yeah. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.